worship already, and uh, it's great to be a part of uh, someone being baptized, and what we're celebrating here is not the day that he put his faith and trust in Jesus. That happened on another day. We celebrated that on, somebody celebrated that on another day. Maybe it wasn't you. In heaven, they celebrated it, and he certainly did. Uh, but today we're celebrating something different. Today we're celebrating the day that he decides to be a follower of Jesus, a, a disciple of, of Jesus. That's what, that's what today is about. When he walked down into that water, it's not holy. The water's not holy. When he walked down in there, he was already going to heaven. So if he would have gotten in a car accident coming to here and, and he died, he would have already have gone to heaven even before he hit these waters. These waters don't save, but what, these, what this is is a public declaration that he identifies with Jesus Christ, God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, but it's not just that. It's also God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, also a part of helping him live his life as a disciple of, of Jesus. And that's why it's great for you all to be here. This is why in-person church is so great, because if this is a public declaration, but you weren't here, who would the public be? <laughs> who would he do it in front of? And so that's why it's so great to, to have in-person church so that we can be a part of encouraging him. And he's obviously encouraging us. It's the same way for us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all a part of our uh, discipleship in Jesus too. And so we'd love to baptize you too. If you have not been baptized since you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Now, maybe your parents might have baptized you when you were, you know, ee little witty, itty bitty, witty, witty bitty, and your parents had you baptized. That was a wonderful day. Uh, they wanted nothing but the best for you, but that just wasn't biblical Christian baptism. That was another kind of baptism. And so Christian baptism follows your salvation, and you hadn't done that when you were e-witty-bitty, but now you have put your faith in Jesus, and we'd love to baptize you in one of our worship services. And so after this worship service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to sign up for a time to be uh, baptized uh, here at Grace Community Church. Not today, but on another day uh, that works for you and your family. Well, we are in this series that we've called When I Grow Up, and we're calling it that because I know that when you were younger, you in your family, you said, when I grow up, it's going to be way different than this. <laughs> you were probably a teenager right then when you said that. When I grow up, maybe you said, when I grow up, it's going to be just like this because I like this so much. Or maybe you said, when I grow up, I want to marry someone that I love and someone that loves me because it doesn't look like my parents really love each other. When I grow up, I want to marry someone that treats me the right way. It doesn't look like my parents are treating each other the right way. Maybe you said, when I grow up, I want to have more kids than my parents had. Or when I grow up, I want to have fewer kids than my parents have. Or when I grow up, I'm going to let my kids eat all the desserts that they want. So whatever you said, this is a series about the family, about how to get to a good family and the roles in a family. So last week, we started with singleness, what God says about singleness. Jesus and Paul were single, and they talk about singleness. As a matter of fact, singleness is the preference, and marriage is the concession, and there are times when it would be good to be single. Not after you're married. <laughs> Once you're married, you're there. But if you can be single, sometimes that is preferable biblically. Now today we're answering the question, is dating in the Bible? And you can probably see the trajectory that we're going. Uh, we're going singleness and then dating. And in the next few weeks, we're going to get into marriage and the roles in marriage and the roles in the family. But like I said, today is about dating. And when it comes to every family and dating, there's different sets of rules. You know, some families say you can start dating at 30. 
13. Some people say you can start dating at 16. Some people say you need to wait till you're 18. Some people need to say you wait till, wait till you're 37 years old. So every family does it differently. And then some families have various rules when it comes to dating. Okay, well, you can go to these places, but you can't do those things. Or some people have like layers or, or, or different versions of dating. When you're this age, you can go to that place if you're with more other people. And if you're this age, then you can go to that place, just you and, and that one other special person. And there have been many an argument, many a headbutting between parents and these rules about dating and their teenager. That's just the way that, that's the way that it's gone throughout the ages. And the teenagers who say, but my kid, my friends can do it. And, and look at all of them. They get to go to that place. And usually the mom says, well, if they all jumped off a cliff, would you jump off a cliff too? And the teenager would say, if you let me date, I'll jump off a cliff. Yes, I will. Just let me go out on a date. And so the teenagers are super glad that they're here today. They're like crossing their fingers. Okay, hopefully Pastor Nathan's going to sign off on something that my parents told me no. And the parents are regretting for bringing their kids to church today because you're worried that I'm going to sign off on something that you've already said no to. Just relax. Okay. I'm not talking about what your family does and doesn't do when it comes to this. We're talking about what God says about this. Okay? We're talking about what the Bible says about all of these things. And today, I want to give you four things that need to be on your mind when you are looking for someone to date and to marry. Four things that you need to be looking for. Four things on your shopping list until, you get all, until this person has all four things they're on your no list, okay? It's these four things. So today I'm talking to two groups of people. Today I'm talking to those of you who are single, you're not married, but there's a potential that you're gonna be married sometime in the future. So maybe you're a teenager or you're a young adult hoping to be married someday. Maybe uh, you, uh, your previous spouse has gone to heaven before you and there's a possibility that you might be married in the future or there's a divorce in your past and there's a possibility that you might be married in the future. I'm talking to you who are not married uh, and there might be a possibility of marriage in your future. The second group of pe I'm talking, people I'm talking to are those of us who are married because all four of these things should have been in place <laughs> when we got married, and maybe they were just by lucky chance, you know? Maybe they were in place when we got married, but maybe over time they've kind of fallen kind of by the wayside because as you get kids and schedules and work and, and time and family drama, things kind of fill up, and maybe you're noticing a little bit of pressure in your marriage, and these things will help you regain maybe some of the things that you enjoyed in your marriage early in life. But whether you're single or you're married, there's one verse that applies to everybody, and it's Hebrews 13, 4. Marriage is to be held in honor among all. If you're married, you honor marriage by sticking with it, by staying in it, by committing to the, the spouse that you have and the marriage that you're in. And marriage is to be held in honor by those of you who are single, who are not married yet. And the way that they do that would be in probably two main ways. One is don't do married things until you're married. Now I, and you know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean, right? You know what I mean. But I'm, I'm referring more to you know what I mean. I'm referring to more than that. Don't do married things until you're married. So obviously the sexual aspect is there, but there are a lot of other things that come in marriage uh, that uh, more than just that. What else do you do when you, you move in together when you get married? You buy a house together when you get married? 
You combine your finances when you get married. You buy a dog together when you get married. And so I'm talking all of these things, the way that a single person would honor marriage is not by doing married things until you're married. But another way that a, a, a single person or dating couples can honor marriage is by dating and marrying the right people because it makes marriage look great. And marriage is symbolic of, his, of God's relationship with Christians on earth. And we want marriage to look great. Great. And so let me show you the four things and then we'll look at them biblically. Here are the four things that need to be on your shopping list if you want to be married someday. First, they need to be a believer, a Christian. You knew that one was coming first. You already knew that, that was happening. That's pretty easily to, uh, easy to understand. Second, it's you need to have chemistry, if you know what I mean. Y- y- you want to like them like that, all right? Thirdly, you need to have char- they need to have character, are they gonna, do they have a character that's going to make my marriage great or are they going to have a character that's going to blow up the marriage, sabotage the marriage two years in, five years in, ten years in? And finally, they need to be committed for life as opposed to committed to the idea of a soulmate. You're not looking for a soulmate. You're looking for someone who's committed to the marriage for life. So let's look at these. Biblically, what does the Bible say about who to look for while you are dating? Let's look at the first one first. You're looking for someone who's a Christian, who's a believer. Here's what the Bible says about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. It says, do not be bound together with unbelievers. Let's stop right there before we go on. This verse is often used right in this context right here with dating and marriage and, and boyfriends and girlfriends and all that kind of stuff. But this, the context of this is something way different and can be applied in a lot of areas. So this is don't be bound together with unbelievers when you're married or looking for someone to marry, but don't be bound together with unbelievers in business dealings, um, in, in combining money with other people, uh, in an elder board, in a church, all different kinds of ways. Don't be bound together with other people who are not Christians. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? None. Or what fellowship has light with darkness? None. Or what harmony has Christ with Belial or evil? None. Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? And the answer is none. There, are, there isn't a common thing. So when you are looking to be married, you are looking for someone who is a Christian, who is a believer. Now, the question often is, is, well, can a Christian marry somebody who's not a Christian? Can that happen? Sure, it can. You, it, it's possible to do it. <laughs> it, it, it the, the, the court will allow that marriage to go through. God probably won't strike you dead on that day and moment in time. So yes, you can but it will bring some pain and some difficulty that maybe you aren't expecting or maybe that you aren't thinking about. If you meet somebody who's a strong Christian and they're married to someone who's not a Christian, maybe they got married that way, that was a relationship when they got married, or maybe one uh, got saved during their marriage and the other one hasn't yet. But if you ask that person who's a believer and who's married to someone who's not a Christian, they'll tell you that they love, the per- they love their spouse that's not a Christian. Of course they do. 
They'll tell you some great things about them and accomplishments that they have and, and how, how, how wonderful it is that, that, that they're married, but they'll also tell you that they wish that their spouse was a Christian. You might know someone here at Grace Community Church, and you could ask them, and they'll tell you that they wish that their spouse was a Christian. So notice the, the verse here. It says, don't be bound together with unbelievers. Your Bible might use the word yoked. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. And so the word yoke, we've talked about this before, is this big beam that has some relief cuts in it. And in those relief cuts are where you put two oxen. And that piece of wood is lowered over the, uh, the shoulders of the two oxen, and the yoke is tied to the oxen. Now they're yoked together, they're bound together, then they put a cart in the back with semi-circular wheels and load the thing up and off we go. Bound together. When you put two oxen and you bind them together with the yoke, they can do the work of four oxen. That's why they do that. It's not just two, it's, it multiplies the power together, now you have four oxen. And so when you get married to a person, it's just like that. You are being bound to the person. You are being tied to the person with the goal or with the hopes that, that your family would be doubly or triply or quadruple as strong as if the two of you were just separate, that you could get more done for Jesus, that your ministry could, could flourish four times if you were, if, than if you were just single. That's the idea of being bound or yoked together. Now, why wouldn't you want to marry someone who is not a, why wouldn't you want to marry someone who's not a Christian? Well, this verse tells us why. What's the common ground? So let me just give you some practical things to think about why, why this would matter to those of you who are looking for, to be married someday and why a Christian is on the list that you're looking for. Well, think of the man and the, the, the woman. You have the man, they're on, yeah, the man's on this side, right? Yeah, they walk down, the, they're right here. Okay? And the, the bride, you know, they, they stand on this side, right? And so when you have a, a Christian couple, both of them are Christians, and their focus is Jesus Christ. They love Jesus more than they even love each other. As they mature in life, they are growing closer and closer and closer to Jesus. And the you know, husband's also growing closer and closer and closer to Jesus. So as they grow closer and closer and closer to Jesus, what's happening in their relationship? They're growing closer and closer and closer to each other. That's the goal. But if you marry somebody who is, who is not a believer, you end up going opposite directions. So let's say the man, he, he's not a believer, but the woman... She's a committed Christian. And so she, as a normal aspect of life, is going to grow closer and closer and closer to Jesus. And the man, he is not going to grow closer and closer and closer to Jesus. He is going to not just be still either. Everyone goes one direction or another. And so he is going to go further and further and further away from Jesus in his life. And so you have, you have the woman going one direction, and you have the Christian going one direction, and the non-Christian going the opposite direction. So that means on their wedding day, they were the closest that they ever will be. And throughout their marriage, they will grow further and further and further apart. That's one reason why it would be difficult to be married to someone who is not a Christian. Secondly, think of the kids. 
The kids are really kind of yanked around in a family where one person is a believer and the other one isn't so much, <laughs> isn't so much. Because let's say, you know, the mom wants to take the kids to church. The kids want the, the mom wants the kids to get baptized when they put their faith and trust in Jesus. You know, mom's all for this. But the dad over here is like, who cares about that? I'm not going to their baptism. Man, that's a waste of time. I'll have a bunch of hooey anyway. And so now the kids are stuck in the middle trying to decide, okay, who do I follow? Which, which one do I follow? Which, which one do I love more? Which one do I go to more? Which, wh- so the kids get stuck in the middle between two parents. Now, when two parents are believers, the kids know exactly who to be like. They know what to follow. They know what the direction is. So first, you're going to grow in different directions if you marry someone who's not a believer. Secondly, the kids are going to get stuck in between, and that will be an in-between for their entire lives. And thirdly, it's just really not fair to the, to the person who's not a Christian. It's not fair. I'm not saying that the marriage isn't going to survive. I'm not saying that the, the person, uh, the non-Christian, won't ever get, get saved in their life. I'm just saying it's not really fair to them. Because if someone is really following Jesus, that impacts every decision that they make. It impacts the way that they're going to spend their time, right? And so mom isn't just going to want to go to church on Sunday morning. She's going to want to bring her kids on Wednesday night too. And, and yet the dad over here is like, okay, so you're, also, you're taking Wednesday away from me, and now you're gone on Wednesday nights too? And so now he, he's on the outs when he wants to spend time with his family. It's not even fair to him. But she's also going to make decisions regarding where she puts her money. She wants to put her money in the things of the Lord. And so she wants to give her first and best back to God as an act of worship to God on Sundays. And the guys will be like, you're giving my money away to who? Who, who deserves that money? You, you can see how, how fair is that really to, 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 to expect him to put his money in a place that he's not committed to. But this is in all aspects of life. For a believer, all of our decisions are biblically minded, Christ-focused. And so think of like career. The, the, the mom comes to a conclusion that she wants to be a mom for her career. She wants to homeschool her kids. She wants to raise her kids at home, and she wants to be a wife and a mom as a career. And the husbands are like, uh, wait a minute. You need to contribute to this family's income, and so you got to go find a job. You can see how the entire marriage, that one person is going to be thinking differently than the other one for the entire marriage. And it's just not fair to this person because they didn't buy into all of those things. And so... You are looking for someone who is a believer. Now, how do you know that they're a Christian? Because anybody can say that they're a Christian. (laughs) Anybody. You go to a Christian dating website, let me just tell you, they're not all Christians. What people have learned is calling themselves a Christian is a nice little hook for the good girls or for the good boys. If I call myself a Christian, then maybe I can get in with them. So you'll go to a church and you're looking for a, 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 a person to marry a church. It's a good place to look for a person to marry. And you walk in and you see the hunk standing there. Oh, he's a Christian. No. That doesn't mean he's a Christian. That means he drove the same place you did. That's all it means. He drove the same place you did. 
That, that is completely the only thing that you know at this point in time. How are you going to know that a person who says that they're a Christian, that they really are one? How are you going to know? Well, it's going to be time. It's really the way that you're going to know it. And the way that you know it is when they love Jesus more than they love you. That's how you know that they're a believer. That they're into Jesus more than they're even into you. Now, these list of four things that I'm going to tell you, is, it, it's an interesting dynamic. These are things that you should look for. But if this is the kind of person you're looking for, then that kind of person is going to be looking for these same things in you. And so, do you love Jesus more than you love the idea of the girl? Do you love Jesus more than you like the idea of the hunk? Because you need to be the same person. If you're expecting it in them, they rightfully expect the same thing in return from you. You're looking for that same kind of person that would be expecting it in you. First, you're looking for someone who's a believer. Secondly, you're looking for someone that you like like that. You have chemistry. You like them like that. there's There's a spark in the eye with that one. And I'm going to show you what I mean by a very funny story in the book of Genesis. It's when Adam and Eve are created, all the way back in Genesis chapter 2, this is the way the Bible describes this chemistry that comes to a man and a woman. It says, then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man, who's that? That's Adam, the very first man. It's not good for Adam to be alone, and so I will make a helper suitable for him. And as soon as we look at that passage, we get all irate. What kind of sexist, politically incorrect word is that? Why are you calling Eve a helper? She's just some personal assistant that goes and does the dirty work. I knew Christianity was so sexist, so anti-woman. This is not a sexist, anti-woman, politically incorrect word. The word is azer in the Old Testament. It's used 19 times in the Old Testament, 13 of which it's used of God. So is it sexist? (laughs) No. The word is helper. The word is, the idea is not a personal assistant that goes and does all the dirty work. The idea is somebody else who comes along and fits in and helps the other person in areas where they not, might not be that they might not be skilled at or, or or they don't have an affinity towards, and the helper comes in, and now the two of them together can carry a larger load, can do even greater together when they're helping than if they were apart. Exactly like the two oxen when they're put together. That's the word. Two oxen that are bound together, and so tied together, being a helper. And so God says, I found a person like that for you. I found someone like that for you, Adam. So it's kind of funny the way that God presents the woman to him. Here's the way that he does it. In Genesis 2, verse 19, it says, Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man had called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. And so, you know, the, the lions walk by, Mr. and Mrs. Adam, Mr. and Mrs. Lion walk by, and Adam's like, uh, I'm not into Mrs. Adam. Uh, those claws are like too. Uh. So then Mr. and Mrs. Platypus walk by, and Adam's like, uh, Mrs. Platypus is not for me. And Mr. and Mrs. Monkey walk by, and Adam's like, whew, a lot of hair there. That's not for me. And so 
Adam's watching all this, and Adam's saying, where's Mr. and Mrs. Adam? Well, you know how where this story goes, right? Verse 21, so then the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And he took one of, the rib, one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib, which he had taken from the man, and brought her to the man. And so God makes Eve. And, and Adam sees Eve for the very first time on their wedding day. Now, I know that there are like some TLC, you know, cable channel shows like that, you know, or Married at First Sight where they see each other for the very first time and usually those marriages turn tragically bad. But this one is the very first Married at First Sight, okay? They, and God invented it long before TLC ever in, invented that show. And so God brings the, the woman to her and, he, and Adam didn't write any vows. He didn't know what to write. He didn't even really know what a missus even meant. But as soon as he saw her, he said, at last, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. That's a woman. That is beautiful. This is like the Barry White moment of Genesis 2. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This is this is chemistry, though it may not seem like chemistry. Adam's like, it wasn't Mrs. Lion, and it wasn't Mrs. Platypus, and it wasn't Mrs. Monkey, but Mrs. Woman? Whoa! Yeah! That's chemistry. That's what you're looking for with someone who you are going to to marry. A lot of people say, you know, I'm not really attracted to the person, but at least they're my best friend. That's not chemistry. You know, t- people talk about marrying their best friend, or you should marry your best friend. I, I, marry your best friend if they're one of the opposite sex, and two, you want to have sex with them. <laughs> okay? That, that, if you're attracted to them, if you're attracted to the way that they think and the way, the, 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 the way that they, they, their personality and, and the way that they look, there's, a, there's a, a, an attraction to them that's not only you to them that is mutual, that is, that is kind of, the, the, the heat is kind of coming back at you too. You can kind of feel it on both sides. That is chemistry. Some, some people get to the point where they figure, well, maybe this is the last time I'm ever going to have a chance at love, so I'll just try it out. No. Some will get a little later on in life, and maybe they'll say, well, this is maybe just the best I could get. Both woman and man need to come to a very white, oh, yeah, moment for them to have a healthy marriage. We looked at last week, Last week, we read the entire passage about how the sexual relationship between a man and a woman is not just physical, it's spiritual. If that part is hurting in your marriage, it is going to hurt your spiritual life. You have to find someone that you like like that. Now, I met Tanya when we were at college. We were attending the, the same college together, and, and we were both living in the, in the dorms. And so when I first saw Tanya, I said, I think I'd like to get to know her a little better. Chemistry, right? And so I asked her out on a date and a few very awkward dates later. <laughs> and they were awkward. A few awkward dates later, Tanya calls me up and says, hey, uh, we need to talk. Okay, so went and uh, met her and uh, she had this long speech all planned out. I don't, mean, I don't remember anything about the speech. The only thing I remember is just the last few words. And the last few words, and so I just want to be friends. 
I got friend zoned by Tanya. I mean, it's not, it's not the way that it should be. But it didn't really, I wasn't like gonna, I wasn't like gonna marry her in the next three days or anything. So I'm like, okay, great, we're friends. And so we, we really meant that. Uh, we spent time together. We did things with friends. All We went to the beach with friends and we uh, would go hiking with friends and we'd, you know, we'd uh, go to the movies together with friends. And I dated a girl here or there al- along the way. But um, a little later, I don't know how long, I don't know, maybe a year later, I get this letter all written out from Tanya. I don't remember anything that was in it except the few words right at the end. Right at the end it says, and so... I think I want to be more than just friends. That is chemistry. Okay? Something happened. Something triggered in her. She finally saw the light. I don't know what it was, but it, it, like, it went. And so I asked her later on, what, what was it? What was the trigger? And she said, well, we were all at, we, we were at a, a friend's house, and we were all sitting around the table playing cards. And she said that I had gotten up, and I had just brushed against her. And that touch to her, it meant something more than it had ever meant before. Chemistry. Like something happened. I don't know, it was more like my huge muscles were just like rubbed up against her and I couldn't, I couldn't handle it or something. She couldn't just, you know, she couldn't resist. I don't know what it was. But that is chemistry. You're not looking for somebody to just go to a barbecue with, you know. You're looking for someone that you can be attracted to, that you like like that. And if you can't find that, if that person that you're dating, you just can't get to the place with that person where there is no, um, you know, passion that's burning and so you need to get married because that passion is burning, then that's just not going to be the right one for you. Even if they tick all the other boxes because a healthy sexual relationship is going to make not only your marriage great, but it's going to help you spiritually along the way too. So first, you're looking for someone who's a believer. Secondly, you're looking for someone who... Uh, you can like like that. Thirdly, you're looking for someone with character. Do they have the kind of character that is going to help your marriage, that's going to make it greater? Uh, or do they have a type of character that's going to uh, sabotage it in the next two years, five years, ten years down, down the road? Every, every time bad character can be traced all the way back to before someone is married. The red flags of bad character can be seen down the road. The problem is that most people aren't interested in looking, you know? They're not interested in looking for the red flags because I like you and you like me and and they're a Christian, at least they say they owe, and we got the chemistry and so, you know, here we go, let's get married. And so then they'll get married and then two years they start to get hit with things that they never, ever knew about that person, and they're bad, and they're going to affect the marriage for the rest of their life. You are always going to deal with character issues, always. Either you're going to deal with it throughout your marriage, or you're going to deal with it before you're married. And you would much rather deal with it before you're married. You know, go in, you know, all eyes open. Now, why is it that a person would get married and then two years down the road get hit with things that they never knew were even a thing? The Bible tells us why that is. In John 3, it says this. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. 
For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested and having been wrought, as having been wrought by God. So here's the reality of the situation. When you are looking for someone to marry, you and that other person both are putting your best foot forward, aren't you? You're, and you're, you want the, the other foot to be like back in a closet somewhere <laughs> where no one can see that at all. You, everyone puts their best foot forward. That's not necessarily uh, terrible. That's just the way that it is. That's the way it is for guys. When guys are trying to get the girl, they actually take a shower. That's how, it, that's how you know in college dorms that you know it's Valentine's Day. Because on Valentine's Day, every single, every single shower stall is, has a guy in it all day long. Like, like, they, like they're just guys taking showers all day long because it's, they want to get the girl. Now, the rest of the week, guys didn't even see a shower. They're looking to look good. A guy has never been more buff, more ripped, more in shape, run more miles than when he's trying to get the girl. That's just the way that it is. Because guys are trying to put their best foot forward. That's just the way that it is. A guy who is dating, a guy who's single and wants to get the girl, will spend more money on one date with the girl that he's not even married. He'll spend more money there than once he's married than he'll spend in 10 years on his wife. It's just the way that it is putting the best foot forward. That's just the way that it is. However, those people who have bad character, they do not like the light shining on their bad character. And so what are they going to do? They're going to hide it. And so if you're looking for a someone to marry, I want you to know that there's a possibility that the person you're looking at is hiding no matter how good she looks. They could be hiding some things that are terrible. Because who likes light being shown on, you know, (laughs) on on the bad sides, on the character flaws? Now, everyone has character flaws. That's what what this is for. Everyone has character flaws. We're all sinners, But there's two kinds of people. One kind of person is going to hide those character flaws, wait till you get a ring on it, and then it's revealed to everyone. And there's going to be another kind of person, but the one, but he who practices the truth comes to the light. So the deeds may be manifested as hopefully having been wrought by God. The other person is going to say, hey, this is who I am. This is, this is my warts and all. Uh, God's still working on me. I come from this family with this background. and kind of has tainted who I am. And so this is just kind of the way that it is. But there's going to be other people who are going to hide it. They want to hide who they are. They want to hide it because they don't want you to know about it. And so how are you going to know? How are you going to know if this this dude who looks so good, his hair is cut, he's at church, I'm attracted to him. How are you going to know if he has bad character or not? How are you going to know? Let me kind of put you in, in, a, in a scenario that some of you have been in and some of you are looking forward to. I'll put, I'll put all, all the ladies in here on the day of your engagement. Okay? Some of you are looking forward to that. Some of, some of you, that's already happened. The day that you got engaged. 
Your boyfriend takes you out to a, a secluded beach. Nobody else is there. And you take off your sandals and you walk out to the water and the water is lightly lapping up on the sand and you and he are walking hand in hand and the sun is just perfectly setting at the, on the other end of the Pacific. And the, the oranges and pinks that are splashing through the sky, bouncing off the clouds is just beautiful. And you start to hear a little bit of string quartet music because your dude spent some money. And over in the corner, there's a little quartet playing some music for you. Just about that time, this flock of seagulls is flying above your head in the shape of a, in the shape of a heart right over your heads because I guess you can buy those kinds of things too. And you, you kind of think, you kind of think, oh, this is, this is like unique. This is, he doesn't usually do this for me. And so he, he sticks his hand in his pocket. Man, your heart's starting to beat because you know what's coming next. And he gets down on one knee and he pulls out a ring and he says, will you marry me? And before you can get out the word, yes. He says, stop. And he says, I get angry. And when I get angry, I blow up and I hit people. I'm addicted to pornography, alcohol too. I hate kids. I have been fired from my job for stealing twice, and I hate your mom too. So, now, will you marry me? Who's gonna, who's gonna say yes to that? Who's gonna say yes to that? Has a, has a marriage proposal ever been like that? There's never been one. But has there been a woman that has found out two years down the line that her husband is addicted to pornography? Yes, why? Because he didn't like the light shown on it. Has there ever been a marriage where a wife found out five years down the line that, his, that her husband gets angry and hits people when, when that happens? Yeah. Why did she find out five years later? Because he didn't like that light shown on it. How are you going to know if the person that you're, you're, you're dating looking to get married is which one? Are they the one who hates uh, hates the light because they're in doing the wrong thing and they have a bad character or the one who's practicing the truth that is revealing all that's about them. The only way for you to know is time. The only way for you to know is spending time with them. When I'm talking about character flaws, I'm not talking about, you know, they, they chew with their mouth open. That's not a character flaw. You know, that's just disgusting, all right? <laughs> We're talking about character flaws like laziness. You know, it, it, uh, the, they're at school, you know, like, eh, I'm not going to do any homework. I mean, it doesn't really matter anyway. Who really cares about any of that kind of stuff? You know, I, I can make more money at Taco Bell than I can make here at school. So, I mean, who really cares about any of this kind of stuff? Okay. How, how's that going to affect your marriage later on when the dude doesn't want to go to work? We're talking like real, like anger, Anger that, that is beyond the necessary requirements, that, that turns physical. That's a character flaw. We're, we're talking about people, a character flaw of like, embell- they can embellish a story way bigger than, than it really was. Or maybe I should just say, they embellish it way differently than it really was. That is going to affect your marriage for the rest of your life. An addiction to 
to anything, to pornography, is going to affect your marriage for the rest of your life. It is. Now, I'm not saying that you can't marry them. I'm saying that you are going to deal with the character issue. That's what the Bible says. Everyone has character flaws. You're going to have to deal with it. It's just, are you going to wait for the light to be shown on it five years down the road and it, and it sabotage your marriage, tor- sends a torpedo at what you thought was a good thing, or are you going to deal with it before you get married? It's much better to deal with it before you get married. Okay? And the only way to know is with time. If someone is pushing you to get married faster than you really want to get married, you've got to kick them to the curb. Because their mentality is, I'm going to put a ring on it, and once I get a ring on it, then they're going to find out the bad stuff about me. So if there's a pressure to get married faster than you're ready, you've got to ditch them. There's something there that you just don't know about. I don't know what it is. I don't care what it is. It, that might be the character flaw in itself, impatience. There you go. Kick them to the curb. Now, I'm not saying, that ne- I'm not saying never get married, because then there are those people who, you know, like, well, we've been dating for six years, and, uh, you know, well, are you going to ever get married? Well, we're not quite sure yet. Well, what are you not sure? So they, they've missed it. What, what happened to them is they, they don't have chemistry, right? There's no, there's no pilot light, never got lit. They, they're just not into each other like that, and so they could just date each other for the rest of their life, and who really cares? So you got to kick that one to the curb because they're not, they're just not the right one for you. You know, there, there are people who get engaged. You know, these people who get engaged, they show off the ring on, on social media or whatever, show it to you, and you ask them, so when are you getting married? Oh, three or four years from now. What? Three or four years? I mean, the pilot light of passion has been lit, and we already know that Scripture says that, you know, it's better to marry than to burn with passion. If you're not burning with passion, if you don't have the chemistry that is going to draw you to that other person for a lifetime, you've got to drop Even if they match all the other ones, you've got to drop them. No, there's no three-year engagements. As soon as, as soon as you know enough, you've done enough research to know the character that this person is and the other things on this list, and you're able to genuinely say yes, I, I can look at your face for another 60 years, then get married. You say yes, and let's figure out how long it's going to take to make it official. All right? So you're looking for someone who is a believer, who's a Christian. You're looking for someone that you like like that. You're looking for someone who has character. And finally, you're looking for someone who is committed. Who is committed for life to marriage. You are not looking for a soulmate. I want to talk about that for a little bit. There's many verses that kind of fly in the face of our modern modern culture's idea of soulmate. But this is a great one. Romans chapter 7 talks about the way that marriages begin and end. It says, for a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he is living. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning the husband. So then, if while her husband is living and she goes off and marries another man, uh, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law so that she is not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. So we have in our culture this idea of the soulmate. The idea is that there's one out there for me. There's one. I'm looking for my soul mate. And out of the seven billion people on planet earth, there's one. Now Christians have taken that and they have spiritualized it a little bit and they've said that there's one that God has made for me. There's one that God has made for me. You've probably heard this idea of 
There's, there's just one. And this idea comes out um, when you hear uh, someone, maybe they, they've, uh, they've gotten a divorce or they've broken up with what they thought was their soulmate uh, or their uh, spouse goes to heaven once, uh, uh, when they die and now they're left alone. And you hear the phrase, well, that's it for me. No more love for me. I, I, that, that's it. I'm all done. I, I can't, can't get married. My, my soulmate is now gone. This verse knows nothing of this. This verse says it's possible for you to get married, that person die, and you to have a full life with another man or with another woman. Did you know that's possible? Imagine the pressure on, on your teenager or your young adult to think that this person that they're looking at could be the only one for them. Imagine the pressure. If I let this one go, I, I could, I could n- never find love ever again. And so many Christians genuinely wanting the best, Christian men and women, they, they will, with this pressure, they will marry someone who is not a right fit for them because of the pressure is, well, what if this is the only one that God had for me? The pressure is enormous. And beyond that, then you get married, and this whole idea of soulmate is just crushing to marriages. Where, you know, after a few years of marriage, you find out that there are a few things that were in the closet, skeletons in the closet, you now find out. And you find out, I don't like him very much, and she doesn't like me very much. And so obviously we aren't soulmates anymore. And so that means there must, my soulmate must still be out there somewhere. And so we need to dissolve this thing, and we need to go look for our soulmate. This verse knows nothing of that. This verse says you are married to your spouse until they die. There's no soulmate idea in Scripture. There's no only one person meant for you in Scripture anywhere. Now, when a husband says about his wife, when I say about Tanya, she's the only one for me, that is absolutely true. Now that we're married, she is the only one for me. But until I get married, that's not the case. When you are dating, when you are looking for for someone to marry, who are you looking for? You're looking for people that meet this criteria. This is God's list for you. And you're going to find that there is probably going to be more than one that meets this criteria. The one will pop up, and you're like, oh, okay. And you're like, well, I'm not really sure. You might meet another one. Boop, there's another one. You're like, well, I don't really know how to pick, another, pick, pick between those two. Well, you might go to church and meet a, meet a third one that meet all of these criteria fully and completely. Lately, love Jesus. You can definitely see that there could be an attraction between you and them and you spend some time with them and you're starting to notice that their character is, is legit and you know them and their biblical perspective of marriage that they would be committed like you are to marriage for life and you're like, now which of the three do I pick? And God says, ah, that's the joy of freedom in Christ. One's not better than the other. You get to pick. They're all God's will for you. I want you to know that there isn't just one. There are probably many. 
here. And so as I was in college and I was dating, I had, there were, women were knocking down my door. I had, I had so many people that I could have picked from. But I chose the best one. There are lots of options. You pick the one that God leads you to. You pick the one that you think is going to be the best for you and best for your marriage and best for the long term and, and you can stare at their face with, uh, with toothpaste dripping down their chin for uh, another 70 years. Okay. Then God says, well, pick that one. If that's your criteria, pick that one. If the toothpaste on the chin is a thing, go for it. That's, that's how you could pick. If they meet this criteria. Now, the question at the beginning is, is, is dating in the Bible? You've noticed that I've not shown you any verse here that is about dating. And that's because dating is not in the Bible. Not every culture dates like we do. In the first century, the way that you found your spouse was the dad of the girl would go to another family that they knew, and they had a boy. And the dad of the girl would say to the dad of the boy, how much are you going to give me for my daughter? <laughs> and the dad of the boy says, it's going to be this much. And the dad of the daughter says, okay, I think I can buy a car with that. Let's do it. Interestingly, the marriage success of arranged marriages is better than it is here in the 21st century. Isn't that interesting? Because, because the parents are looking at these kinds of things. The parents are looking at character. The parents are looking at the, the, where the family came from, the family history. The, of, these, of these three, which one do you think is the easiest one? The easiest one to get or notice? Chemistry. That one's easy. If you're a boy and she's a girl, all right. Okay, that, that is pretty easy. Hardest one on here. Probably character would probably be the hardest one to notice. You can see if someone loves Jesus more than they love you. If you're sick at home on, on a Sunday morning, they're like, all right, see you later. I'm going to go to church. <laughs> Forget you. Here's your soup. I'm gone. All right. They love Jesus more than you. They read their Bible before they text you in the morning. They love Jesus more than you. Those things are kind of easy to see. Character is a hard one to see. But see, parents would be looking for those things because they want nothing but the best for their child. So the way that you date is nowhere in Scripture. And so the, the teenager's like, yeah, mom, I can do whatever I want. No, what the Bible says is that you honor and obey your parents while you're living in the house. So whatever rules, whatever restrictions your parents have for these things, those are the rules, those are, those are restrictions. Just think, it could be worse your parents could be picking your spouse for you for the price of a car, all right? So it could be worse. Now, I said at the beginning that you're looking for a person like this, but a person like this is going to be looking for a person like this. And so you need to begin to evaluate your own personal life. Do you love Jesus more than the idea of a girl? Do you love Jesus more than the idea of the hunk? Do you have character flaws that, that a, a, a future family would be crushed from? You know that about you. And that's where you begin to work with God now. Apologize to God for the things that you know that you are 
are doing incorrectly, the evil that is in your life, and he will begin to wash you clean. He will begin to help you live a life that is honoring to him. That's called sanctification. And he'll help you do that. You committed to marriage to the end of, to the end of life, not just to the end of your happiness. If not, now's the time to work on these things. Now think about many of you are married, I know that. And it's possible that you had these things when you got married and you just lucked out when you got married. But maybe they've kind of faded over time. Or one particularly has really taken a hit. And so this would be a time for you to notice this and to ask God for help in this area. And I can promise you that in any of these four, if you, if you allow God to work on this in your life, if you humbly allow him to change your mind in that area, it will make your marriage so much better. Maybe over, you won't ever have the same feelings that you did when you first got married. The feely feels, those go away over time. But it doesn't mean you can't still have chemistry. It doesn't mean you can't still be attracted to who they are and the way that they think and the way that they operate. But you might need God's, maybe just an, there have been enough missiles launched in your marriage over time that those attracted things are beginning to fade. You'll need to talk to God about that. You need to ask him for help in your marriage for you to regain some of those things in your life. Now, if you're not a Christian, I've been speaking to Christians today. If you're not a believer, just start at number one. That's where you start. The Bible says that Jesus is God, that he came to earth, that he was born of a virgin, he lived a perfect life, and he died on the cross, not because of he had any sin, he had none. He died paying for our sin. And when he did that, he was paying not, not for... Um, not for his sin, and not just for my sin, he was paying for your sin as well. Three days later, he rises from the grave proving that he is God. And that he can wash away your sin. It's called forgiveness. That God can forgive your sin. And the reason that a person would become a Christian is not so that they get a good husband or a good wife. The reason that someone would put their faith in Jesus is so that when they die, their soul goes to heaven. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. That means eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But when you put your faith in Jesus instead of putting your faith in yourself, the hope of eternity is in heaven. And so if you're not a believer, don't worry about all this other stuff. That stuff, that stuff is going to figure itself out. First, I want you to put your faith and trust in Jesus. And Jesus will begin to change you from the inside out. He will change your character. He will change your view of marriage. And so if you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus, today's a day where you can respond to him. But maybe for you, there's something else in this that, that kind of piqued your, uh, your curiosity or at least um, kind of realized, hey, that's me. He's talking to me. And we talk to God about those things. We respond when we hear God speaking through his word. And so I'm going to ask all of you, would you be willing to bow your heads and close your eyes? It just creates a little separation between you and the person next to you for just a minute. And it allows you to reflect on these things before God instead of reflect on them um, before me. But if you know that you need to put your faith in Jesus, if, if, you're not, if you know that if you were to die today, uh, you would not go to heaven. Today's the day for you to change your mind about who Jesus is. 
And so you just talk to God about them. The quietness of your own heart, you don't need to say anything out loud. You talk to him in your mind. He can read your mind. He reads your intentions. And you can say this to him. You can say, dear God, I know that I've sinned and I know that I'm separated from you. And I know that I need someone to save me. And I believe that Jesus is the Savior. I believe that Jesus is God. I believe that he came to earth as a human and lived a perfect life. I believe that he died on the cross for my sin. And I believe that he rose from the grave on Easter Sunday morning. And I believe that he did that to prove that he is God and that he can remove my sin. He can wash away my sin. I put my faith, my trust, my belief in this Jesus. I I need his forgiveness and my sins washed away. And so... I trust Jesus with my life today and with my eternity. With your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, the immediate promise is that you do go to heaven when you die. But maybe you are married and you've noticed some of these things kind of, um, or one of them even missing in your life. And you talk to God about it. God, I, I need you to work on these things in my life. I, please, please help my marriage in this area. Help me to rekindle this um, this attraction to my spouse that I've lost over time. I want it, I just don't have it. And so I ask for your help in our marriage. And God, I pray that the, the marriages of this church would not be fixed by mere my words, but that your word and your truth would be the thing that would um, change the, the, uh, the families, the marriages in this church. We thank you for your word and teaching us these things. And we, we've come to worship you and I'm thankful for the words of these songs that we could sing that are true and we genuinely worship you because of your love for us in all these areas and we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen.